Okay, so real talk. How many of you, while Shauna was going over all the lovely options, and they truly are lovely, options for us to connect, some of you started thinking, oh no, I do not know how I can work that into my schedule. Oh, I'm starting to feel overwhelmed already, like the church has great things going on, but then my work schedule I just turned in, and then my kids, oh my gosh, I went back to school. And so, so when, when one of us gets up here and says, there's so many great things going on, we want you to be a part of it, there's that sense maybe in you a little bit that says, I don't know how that fits in. And I think that's a common thing that a lot of us are feeling right now. Um, this is Labor Day weekend, and this is usually the time when we you know, stop and think about how, how's our work going, and how's our scheduling going, and a lot of things are starting back up, and so we're starting to think about how we're working all those things into our life. And very, care, very quickly, if we're not careful, we can begin to feel overwhelmed. Well, I actually really love this time, I like looking at that overwhelm right in its face, and I like figuring out how that all works into my schedule because of something that my dad did for us when I was a little girl. So the first Saturday of September, I know uh, when Sean was like, yay, it's fall, I heard somebody go, no. <laughs> but I actually really love the first Saturday of September because the first Saturday of September, was a very special day in my family's house. You see, my dad was a, was a Marine for 20 years, and so he, uh, was, he, he, he was very thoughtful about how we keep our home together, uh, taking care of ourselves was a big deal to him, responsibility was a big deal, schedules were a big deal for my dad. But in the summer, he would just let us do whatever we wanted to do. Basically, you want ice cream for dinner? Go for it. You want to leave your dirty towels in the kitchen, in the bathroom floor? Sure. That's gross, but that's your thing. Do it. My dad would kind of just let us do whatever we want. And I typically didn't really take in, take partake of that because I really liked your clean room, but I just let my schedule just, I mean, if I wanted to sit and read for hours and hours on end, that was fine. But the Friday before the very first Saturday of September, my dad would say, this is your last chance. Live it up, you guys, because tomorrow's coming. And I got really excited because what my dad would do is he and my mom would wake up before us. And my mom would go in the kitchen and she would make bacon because she knew that the smell of bacon gets people out of bed. <laughs> and my dad would go get donuts and he would come home. And he would go and I could hear him because I knew it was almost like Christmas morning in our house. I could hear him downstairs, and he would go to his radio player, or his record player, because he's old school like that, and pull out his favorite record. And he would turn the volume up way loud, and he would position the speakers just so towards our bedrooms. And my dad would turn on his very favorite song, September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. And that was our cue, that we should get up and start getting ourselves in order. Whatever felt out of order for us, whatever we felt like we kind of just let go for the summer, that was our cue to go down, get your bacon, get your donut, and go get to work. And so for me, I would sit in my room, and I would pull out my cute little Lisa Frank planner, because every September, I would, uh, every September, I would have my mom buy me a new planner. And so I'd pull out my Lisa Frank planner, and I would sit and figure out how to kind of get all the things, all the chaos that I let into my life over the summer, how to make, how to get my life back in order. Because I knew I was going back to school, and so I would prioritize, oh, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and this was happening. 
This, this rhythm that I built when I was a kid is something that so many of us are doing right now. Like I said earlier, we are thinking about how we work in things like Wednesday Together or Echo or Discover the Kingdom into our regular schedule. I really like this thought from a researcher named Dr. or a researcher named Gretchen Rubin. She studies habits and happiness. And Gretchen Rubin says, January is the official start of the year, and I always get a burst of renewed zeal at that time. But here in the United States, for me, September also gives me the same feeling of an empty calendar and a clean slate. The air seems charged with possibility and renewal. And this is true for so many of us. And so what I want to do for us today is for us to stop and and look at all the things that are kind of flooding into us. And instead of letting all those things determine where they fit into our calendar, we are going to be kingdom people. And we're going to say, we are going to build our schedule based on the, the model and life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. Because when I was younger, this is what, this is how I usually dealt with all of the things that I needed to do. I did this based on my life right now because I wanted to give you an example. A larger one's going to be thrown up there. How many of you do this? When you're thinking about your scheduling, you sit down and you think, okay, I have to figure out meals and I have to somehow maybe get in like a date night and then, oh my gosh, there's so many birthdays. And then, oh, are we traveling for the holidays? I've got to buy those tickets. Oh, and doctor visits and dentist visits and Fido is not looking so great. So maybe vet visits and, you know, me time, if I'm lucky, sort of, but we kind of just dump everything in our brain out Uh, Sometimes we go straight from our brain into our planner. Some are like us. We write it down first. And then lots of self-help or lots of time management books will tell you to do something like this. Kind of decide, prioritize what's most urgent and what's least urgent. Now, I I made this for you this morning, and I almost rewrote it because my coffee bled through. But this is real life, y'all. Sometimes we need coffee to figure this thing out. And so we have to somehow take all of these things and figure out what all, where they fit in, what's most urgent, what's least urgent. And we have to f- figure out, like, does, does this work for my life? And, and when we do this, there's this sense of, am I doing this right? Am I, am I allowing myself to be overwhelmed? And sometimes we're not even thinking. We just start adding things in to our planners. To one point, we step back and we look, and our planners are, are, are ruling us. They're no longer serving us. And so today, Kingdom people, what I want us to do is say no more. We are going to take advantage of the clean slate that we have. And we're going to ask the Lord, what should really go in our planners? Now, I use a paper planner as God intended. (laughs) But I know some of y'all rely on the ding of your iPhone. So Whatever mechanism you use to keep track of time, I want to hopefully empower you to live out the ethics of Jesus when we think about our time management. I titled today's message, Choose the Kingdom Groove, and you're going you're gonna to realize soon why I chose that. But the first reason is because of something Jesus said in Matthew uh, chapter 11, verse 29 through 30. Now, what I'm going to read is I'm, I'm going to do the NIV for you first. Um, And then I'm going to read the message version for you because I like its rendering. I think it's really applicable for us as we're thinking about becoming kingdom people with our time. So Matthew 11, verse 29 through 30 in the NIV says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. One thing before I move on to the message rendering of this, that, that uh, word, take my, that phrase, take my yoke upon you, evokes the imagery of a tool that farmers use to get their work done. What they would do is they would yoke the stronger, more experienced uh, ox with a younger one to teach that one how they're supposed to do the work of the farm, but also to balance out the work. So what Jesus is saying is, it's okay for you to put things in your schedule. You're going to have to take that dog to the, to the vet. You're going to have to take your kids to soccer. You're going to have to think about where you, Wednesday together or Echo or whatever works into your schedule. It is okay. Just do it my way. Tie yourself to me and learn because my way is easy and light. Let's look at the message rendering of it. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How many of us want to enter into the fall and the holiday season with a freedom? You want some lightness. You want to own your schedule and, feel, and, don't, and not feel like it's owning you. Well, today we're going to learn how to become peacemakers with our day planners or phones. Whatever format you prefer so that when we start September, we are dancing along with the unforced rhythm of grace that Jesus promises us. That maybe, if you're like me, you're bopping along to the groove of earth, wind, and fires. September, you are choosing the kingdom groove. So if this is what you want, with, want, my friends, will you join with me in prayer? Jesus, I thank you for every single one of my friends in this room. Thank you that they want to just take advantage of this clean slate and give it over to you and ask you, Lord, how do we reflect your kingdom values in our schedules? Thank you, Lord, that your spirit is here and you love all my friends way more than I could possibly love them. You know them way better than I do. So I invite you, Holy Spirit, to make this message applicable to them in whatever way is meaningful for them so that they can begin to feel confident and be peacemakers with their planners. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. When I think about this overwhelm, the like pooling of all the things in my life and trying to figure out how to put it into my planner, I like to think of that as sort of like a, like a, like a drudgery beat that just feels like it's just dragging me down, like I'm moving forward, but I'm not moving towards anything important and life-giving. I'm just stuck in the everyday mundane life. When I think of trying to make all these things work for me, without inviting God to it, it feels like there's just no progress. And that is what contributes to our burnout around Thanksgiving, where we're screaming at everybody because the stuffing didn't come out right. You know, when I think about this overwhelm, I think about some of these statistics that I found. The first one is, the average person uses 13 different methods to control and manage their time. 90% of those who join health and fitness clubs will stop 
going within the first 90 days. 25% of sick days are taken for illnesses. 75% of sick days are taken for other reasons. Do not raise your hands if that's you. Grace, grace, my friends. And 75% of Americans complain that they are tired. But that is not Jesus' desire for us. Jesus didn't come so that we can be tired and lie to our, our bosses and not go to the gym and lose money. Jesus came for something better. Jesus came to give us something better. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So honestly, y'all, taking control of our schedule is a form of spiritual warfare. It is us pressing back against the enemy that will want to steal, kill, and destroy any sense of hope, any sense of purpose, any sense of life, any sense of enjoyment in our everyday life. Because we are taking in what all the world says because we have this anxiety that if we don't do it this way, then we're not doing it right. So we need a new strategy, right? We need to figure out how to enter into that unforced rhythm of grace. We've got to find our kingdom groove. So our strategy is going to look like this. Instead of us first starting and looking at all the things and letting it just wash over us and feel like we have to figure out what to do, we're going to set up guardrails. We're going to look at the life of Jesus, and we're going to say, Jesus said this, so I'm not going to do this, or I'm going to make this a priority. And Jesus said this, and Jesus did this. And as we begin to build that, those, that rhythm, as we begin to think about first what Jesus says and desires for us before we let any of that in, then we can begin to be more confident in the yeses that we say and the things that we put in our schedule, and we begin to enjoy our life better. I call these counter rhythms to that drudgery beat that the world says, take it all in, figure it out. You have to, you have to do it. You have to prove yourself. You have to do more. You got to fill this calendar up. You got to listen to that ding. You got to show up. There are four rhythms that we're going to look at today. The first is a rhythm of connecting with God. The second is a rhythm of caring for ourselves. The third is a rhythm of setting boundaries. And the last is a rhythm of loving others. And that rhythm of loving others is the one where we look at all of the things that we have to do in our life because we got to go to work because Fido's got to go to the doctor. We're going to look at all those things and say, okay, now that I'm coming at it from a place of wholeness, now that I'm already a peacemaker, I'm ready to take that on. I have a video that I think is a really good example of kind of layering on the most important things on top of the other so that we're entering into a groove. Well, guys, what I'm going to do right now, this is, uh, this is something that I used to do on my college drumline. It was fun. It was basically when we were bored. We just called it uh, like a drumline groove. And uh, you guys haven't done this before, right? When I asked you about this, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so basically, it's just when you're sitting there as a drumline, nothing to do, maybe the football game's going on, and you're tired of playing everything you know, you just start at the bottom, and you start with a groove, and you build it up. So walk, just walk with me here. All right, bass drums, what we're going to do is boom, click, boom, click, boom, click, boom, click, boom, click, boom, click, da, da, da. Uh, there you go, boom, click, boom, click, boom, click, boom, click, boom, click, Deca-deca-boom. You got that? Deca-deca-boom. All right, keep that going. Snare drums. Chip's coming to man right now. 
liking it. He likes say goose me. at some point, oh. and then we have to run around the circle? Too fast. Slow down. Really groove with it. Tenors. kids to learn the drums so they can be in the marching band after watching this. Maybe it's not happening. And my kids are not that cool. <laughs> okay. So if you notice in the video, each rhythm was established before the next one was added in. And this was actually a newscast. So somebody was watching in on how they were building their rhythm. Every single one of those students was listening to their teacher figuring out the right way to move the cymbals, figuring out how to slow down with the beat. And that is what we're gonna do. We're gonna layer our practices in our planner so that it looks like the teachings in the life of Jesus. So if you're a note taker, this is probably the time where I would encourage you to start taking notes. So the first rhythm that we're going to build, that bass, that one that grounds that whole groove, it's a rhythm that says, you are a beloved human being, not a busy human doing. This is a rhythm of connecting with God. This is a rhythm that separates your identity from all of that stuff. Separates your identity from the dings, from the highlighted items in your planner. This is one that says, I don't need any of that to define who I am. And our culture wants us to define ourselves by our jobs, by the things we do, by our positions in the PTA, whatever it is. Our culture wants us to define ourselves by that, but God says no. Like Greg said last week, when we practice spiritual warfare, what we're doing is aligning our say-so with God's say-so. And so what does God say about us? God says that we are beloved. When I think about this, this grounding base of our belovedness, I think about Jesus' baptism in Matthew. It's going to be up here on the, on the screen. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And this is what Jesus wants for us. 
is to own our belovedness. If we look at the history of Jesus's life, this moment in Jesus's life when he was baptized was before he did a single miracle. It was before he taught anything amazing. It was before he called his own disciples. It was obviously before the cross. Jesus, this is the very start of his ministry. Jesus did not have to prove his worth to the Father. He was already beloved and he was already pleasing. How many of us want to just know that when God looks at us, he is pleased? We don't have to do a single thing to earn that. So the very first rhythm that we build in our planner is one that reminds us of this truth because it empowers us to, to look at the things in our lives and say, does that violate my belovedness? I don't need that. Does that take away time that I can spend with the Lord to remind myself of my belovedness? I don't need that. Am I feeling like an imposter at work and I need God to remind me that he made me and he loves me? I don't need to take on that project. But I know some of you might be saying, but wait, Oshida, <laughs> girl, I got you. Um, that's Jesus. I am not Jesus. Uh, so that promise, that moment, that's beautiful, that's great, but that was for Jesus. And so um, I don't feel beloved because I'm not the son of God, right? You're not the son of God. I'm not the son of God. We're clear on that. But Jesus was fully the son of God, and he was fully human. This idea is important for us because that means every single promise in scripture that Jesus owned during his life and ministry is for us today. This is good news for us because we don't need to let anything else in our planner define us. Galatians says that, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So that belovedness, it's yours. And that pleasure from God, it's yours. And that is key. That grounds us as we are building our, our schedules, as we are thinking about managing our time as kingdom people. I really like this thought from Jonathan Martin, who wrote the book Prototype, about this moment in Jesus' baptism. But that's one way we can identify the devil's voice. It always plays to our fears. It's the voice that tells us we must do something to prove who we are, to prove that we are worthy, to prove that, who we, who, that, that we are who God has already declared us to be. When we know we are loved by God, we don't have to prove anything to anyone. There is nothing we can do to make ourselves more beloved than we already are. This is our act of aligning our say-so with God's say-so. This is our act of pushing it back against the enemy's lies. This is our act of owning our belovedness so that we can go out to the world with confidence. So your first kingdom rhythm is you are a beloved human being and not a busy human doing. The next rhythm is um, your body and what it needs to thrive matters. And before I go into this, I do want to make a little caveat. Because these two have to do with us and our bodies and in our minds, and we are so different. What works for me in owning my belovedness, like prayer time or worship, 
may not work for you. I would encourage you to start with prayer because it's the lowest, it's the easiest. We can devote a little bit of time to it, and it always feels like we're not accomplishing something, but we really are. But if that doesn't work for you, I would say seek out any means or method of owning your belovedness that makes sense. And I would say the same thing about our second counter rhythm. Your body and what it needs to thrive matters. Your body and what it needs to thrive matters. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, wait, Oshita, I, I'm empowered. I'm ready. I'm, I want to take all the stuff. I want to take it on now. No, 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 no. See, because here's the deal. You are an embodied, you are a beloved person in a body. We are charged with embodying the love of Jesus and taking it out into the world. So you want to know what that means? These bodies matter. Bodies mattered so much to Jesus that he took his very own. Bodies matter so much to our theology of a cruciform God because he subjected his own body to the cross. Bodies matter. There is this, there's this lie that says everything in the body is bad and everything in our spirit is good and we just need to pay attention to our spirit and ignore our bodies. That is a lie from the pit of hell because it counters what we know of, of our God who took on his own body. So we're going to look at how Jesus took care of his body. Jesus rested, and he ate, and we see this in Mark chapter 6. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Bodies matter. And Jesus wanted his disciples to take care of their bodies. And Jesus' followers, kingdom people, we need to take care of our bodies. We need to think we need to include in our planner time to make good meals, time to rest, like not just like Netflix and watch a great movie, but like actual sleep. I didn't include working out and getting, getting physical, getting to the gym, things like that, because it's not in the scripture, but it does apply. It does apply. Whatever we need to do to take care of our bodies honors what Jesus modeled for us in Mark. And I can't think of any other practice of caring for our body that is most applicable and that's easy for us to look at than this idea of self-care. It's everywhere. There's so much um, encouragement and there's so much, so many resources for us to think about self-care. And I know some of you might be thinking, oh, oh, Sheeta, you lost me there. Self-care is a millennial's value that challenges a good work ethic. I don't have time for self-care. I don't want to be selfish. But I would like for us to reframe the way we think about self-care by using this definition from Dr. Mia Finkelson. Dr. Finkelson says, self-care may mean different things to different people, but I consider it anything that you do to make yourself feel and function at your best. And that makes a lot of sense because we own our belovedness, yes, but we are owning our belovedness in these bodies, so we have to take care of these bodies. And so I would like to push back against the lie of the enemy and help you align your say-so with God's say-so by encouraging you with, with a few things. First, self-care is not selfish. Self-care does not have to be expensive. Self-care is not a privilege. Oh, you got your work done, so now you can take a break. And everybody needs self-care. Everybody 
needs self-care. Because we're going to kick this up a notch, kingdom people. We're going to take everything that our culture says about self-care, which is actually really good. There's a lot of great things about self-care. We're going to take it one step further. We're going to take care of our bodies, and then we're going to think about how to help the bodies of those on the margins. Because that is what we saw in Jesus' life, healing the leper, touching those with infirmaries, infirmities, interacting with women. Jesus cared about all bodies. And so when we have built a rhythm of taking care of our bodies, whatever that looks like for you, then I want to encourage you to say, I want to do this one thing that I'm doing for myself and make it possible for someone else. If it's going to a yoga class, make that available for someone else. If you are really great at meal planning healthy foods, can I come sit by you and learn? But then after that, maybe make a healthy meal for that college student who you know is not eating healthy. But we take what our culture says about self-care, and we bring it into up another level. We add a kingdom value to it that says every body matters. What our bodies need to thrive matters. That's our second kingdom value, um, kingdom counter rhythm. The third kingdom counter rhythm is you can say no. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, but Ashita, I, I got my belovedness. I'm ready to go. Yeah, you do. Awesome. Beloved. Uh, and now my body is doing great. I'm resting. I'm taking care. Let's now put all of the things into my planner. No. It is important for us to build a rhythm of setting boundaries and having integrity. It is important for us to know that we can say no because the moment we let all this rush in, it's going to feel like we have to say yes to it. And so now we're going to build a rhythm of integrity. We're going to build a rhythm of saying no. Let's look at Matthew 5. Jesus says in Matthew 5, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Um, have you noticed this phenomenon of being overbooked? When I first started working outside the home and my kids were little, <clears throat> I was so excited to be out the house, y'all. I was like, yes, I'll go to that meeting. Yes, I will come visit you. Yes, I will do that thing. I was like, my husband is home with the kids. I have hours to do whatever I want after work. And I started to realize that I was so overbooked that when I was coming home, I had nothing for my family. I had nothing for myself. I would just fall into bed and start it all over again the next day. This overbook leads to something else that I'm noticing in our culture, and it's shown in these two memes. The first one is, tries to find a way to cancel plans. They cancel first. Score. The next one is, when you cancel plans knowing full well you are never going to show up in the first place. Hello, this is me. <laughs> I knew I was planning this for you, and so I wanted to pay attention to my own self because the very best messages are the ones that are preached first to yourself. And I was noticing that there are a few things in my life where I was so excited to put them in my calendar. Like, and they were weeks out, so I said, sure, I'll do it. 
And I even was so performative in that, like, days before it happened, I would text the person that I'm going to hang out with, or I'd post on social media that I'm going to do this thing, or I'd announce to my family, leave mom alone after 6 o'clock, I am whatever. And then I would be hours from that thing, thinking, how do I get out of this? I feel a little sick. Oh, Fido, you need to go to the vet? Oh, I would find any reason I could to cancel. And with texting and with this overemphasis of, you know, uh, it's okay to, to not show up. You know, we've given people a lot of grace in canceling at the last minute. This has become a phenomenon. We were very, we're very uh, eager and willing to do that. But Jesus says, my followers do things a little differently. They have integrity. Their yeses are yeses, and their noes are no, and they're not overbooked. And so Jesus says, we can say yes, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but first, let's talk about saying no. Saying no is a really good strategy for us because it gives us margin. It gives us free time to just do whatever. Free time to engage with interruptions. So when I was thinking about this message and I noticed in myself that I was feeling overbooked, I intentionally chose a whole week where I said no to some things and left some space open. And honestly, this happened just two days ago. I get a text from my daughter's best friend's mom. Her best friend has been in Chicago all summer visiting family there, and my daughter has been missing her. And the mom had planned a surprise, kind of like welcome home party, and the mom said, can your daughter come? And do you mind picking up my daughter and keeping her for a few hours before so I can set up for the party? Now, I had the morning open. I had rested the night before. I loved my daughter, and she had just said she wanted to spend time with her friend, and then I had this opportunity. And so because I had the margin, because I had the free time, I said yes. And I walked around Claire's with those girls for two hours. I really need a tiara and crown when I get to heaven off of that. (laughs) But I was able to fully say yes. My yes in that moment was a yes because I had practiced saying no. Now, Jesus does say that saying yes is part of us having lines of integrity. And so I want to give us a couple of strategies for saying yes to the things when we finally let the floodgates open. Now, the first strategy works really well for me. I say, no, thank you so much for inviting me, but I can't. So I say a gracious, relational no. Thanks. I see you, I love you, but I can't. Now, if it's something that I really want to do, this second strategy works well. I want to do it, but I can't do it to the level that the person says. So, Oshida, can you speak to 9,000 teenage girls tomorrow night? Um, No, because teenage girls are scary. They know how to use Instagram, and those filters are not nice. And I don't have time to create a sermon for 9,000 teenage girls, but I can write a one-page devotional. Will that work? I offer in a smaller yes. So our second kingdom, counter-kingdom rhythm is it's okay 
to say no. Now we are ready to let the floodgates open and let the things come rushing in because we own our belovedness. We're taking care of, we're making, taking care of our bodies a priority. So that's already put in our calendar. And we know that we can say no. We have permission to say no when the things bounce at us. So you ready? Here is our last counter kingdom, a kingdom counter rhythm. Here's our last one. You are made to love and be loved. Not what you thought, huh? Maybe you thought I said you were made to get it done. Get your hustle on. No. You are made to love and be loved. That means when we open those floodgates and the PTA request comes in and the work schedule runs in and the workout schedule comes in and the kids' soccer schedule comes in, and then our family says, oh, we are all going to do this one thing on Thanksgiving, so you've got to drive four hours. What? When that comes rushing in, we have a new framework for thinking about it. We are going to enter into that. We're going to add it to our planner, but we're going to be kingdom people about it because we were made to love and be loved. Meaning, when we do that thing, when it hits our planner, at that moment, we are choosing to be loving in that moment. When we get there, when we don't flake out on that plan, when we get in the car to drive that four hours, we are on a mission of love. That adds so much value and, and mission. We are on outreach in every single thing in our calendar when we remember that we are made to love and be loved. And Jesus teaches us this in John chapter 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. When we align our say-so with God's say-so, when we, when we do it through our time management, we are on a mission of love. We are pushing back against every single lie of the enemy in every single moment in our schedules. It feels like there's value to it, and we're not stuck in that chaotic drudgery beat. We are finding and choosing the kingdom groove. So where are you, my friends? Which one of those four rhythms feels like it's too hard for you to figure out? Are you struggling with owning your belovedness and getting your identity from being busy? Do you struggle with your body and really owning and recognizing that what it needs to thrive matters to God? Are you saying yes to everything? Listen, you can say no. And you are made to love and be loved. So every single thing that we put our hands to, every appointment that we show up for, every soccer field that we sit alongside and cheer on, every time we uh, encourage our kids to join us as we clean the house, everything that we do becomes a mission of love. It becomes us as kingdom people invading onto the earth and aligning our say-so with God's say-so. It is us claiming that God wants us to have life and life to the full, and the enemy's not going to steal our joy. We're taking advantage of this clean slate, and we're applying these kingdom values. One thing that I 
always think about when I am filling out my schedule is that it's a dynamic thing. It, it moves and I can use my eraser or delete whatever device you use. And so I don't have to get it right the very first time. Sometimes I'm going to have so many opportunities and so many things in my schedule that maybe I did forget to spend some time with the Lord. That's okay. We have next, the next day. In fact, I, I chose a planner that says one day at a time on it because I want you to remember that you don't have to get this right from the very beginning. You don't have to walk out of here and say, okay, I built my groove and it's going to be perfect. And Tuesday, if I, if I enter into work and I make a mistake, that's it. I'm done. I can't do it again. I am awkward and I can't get into my groove. No, the kingdom groove is for every single one of us and the spirit is with every single one of us. So if you make a mistake, if you're struggling with one rhythm but doing another rhythm, grace upon grace, we are entering into the unforced rhythm of grace. So this is my prayer for you all. If this is something that you would like more prayer for, I would like to invite the prayer team to come up. The prayer team is also eager and ready to pray for you for anything that you have going on in your life. But just know that this is one very practical, tangible way for us to get out there and align our say-so with God's. So go in peace and choose the kingdom groove.